This podcast was brought to you in partnership with Liz Earl Beauty Co. Hi, I'm Hannah Such, one of the co-founders at Go Jauntly, a walking, wayfinding and nature connection app. Welcome to series three of our podcast, Nature Vance. So today we're bantering away with author Neil Ansell. His new book, The Circling Sky, is part childhood memoir blended with exquisite nature observation and is the story of his journey over a year to one of the UK's key natural habitats, the New Forest. Despite it being part polemic, I found it the perfect bedtime read and an antidote to the everyday stresses I've been feeling recently. So hey Neil, welcome to the show. Hello Hannah, thanks for inviting me. I'm so excited that you're here. I absolutely loved your book. Thank you. I I try to write in a way in which uh, the reader is my companion as I'm walking. Uh, so um, uh, so they almost feel that I'm alongside them and, and they're alongside me as I walk and try and convey as close as possible the actual experience of being there. As I understand it correctly, you're quite often walking on your own. So you're almost like imagining the reader there whilst you're walking. Is that safe to assume? It, it's not quite like that. I do tend to walk on my own. I prefer to walk on my own uh, for the most part because... Uh, I feel that it, uh, I get a more immersive experience of nature. Uh, I am I'm able to focus my attention better. Uh, the way I wrote this book was I would take a walk, I would write it up, then I would go back, take another walk. So it was written uh, very soon after the events that I'm describing, while it was all very fresh in my mind. Uh, so I wasn't, I wasn't quite... Uh, uh, dictating it as I walked, but I wrote it as quickly as I could uh, as soon as I was home from the from that walk um, to make it as immediate as possible. And you were writing and visiting the New Forest during 2019, so it was before everything kind of happened and changed in the world. Yes, um, my timing was um, was lucky, and I completed yeah. a year of visits. Uh, just a week or two before the first lockdown uh, began. And so I was able to spend my lockdown quietly working on edits with my editor uh, and so on and doing the the year-long process it takes between writing a book and it being published. When lockdowns eased, I think there was, uh, certainly in the summer, there was was a sort of a rush of people uh, in the forest. So uh, I remember one time I went where I'd never seen the forest so busy with people mm. um, because obviously people have been starved of, of of nature, of being able to get away from home. And they're also restricted from traveling abroad at the moment uh, for the most part. Uh, and so um, uh, a lot of people sort of flooded to places like the forest and the other national parks uh, for a short period. Uh, but hopefully um, that would be more uh, spread out as things ease now and there won't be quite so much pressure on, on the forest. And what's your most memorable moment from the trips to the forest? I think, I think there's a few moments that really stood out. And I think if I remember correctly, in my final chapter, I sort of summarised some of those moments. I think perhaps the most memorable uh, visit was when I ended up sitting under a Scots pine tree at dusk as darkness fell 
the um, the stars were coming out, the bats were flying around me, and then a night jar was swooping above my head um, and carried on doing so until it was too dark to see. That was a very special moment. But there were other there were other real high points as well. I think um, stumbling onto a huge colony of um, of, of butterflies, uh, the silver-studded blue butterflies. Very oh, I remember reading that. Yeah. Um, and it was like being surrounded by a tornado of tiny blue butterflies. Um, and that's something you can only experience for a very short period each year and almost only in the forest because that, that little butterfly is a specialist of lowland teeths and is found now in very few places indeed. I remember when I was reading that, it just sounded like a scene in a movie that you were being sort of like surrounded by all these beautiful butterflies. That must have been amazing. Definitely one of those nature moments that you're not going to forget. So another thing that I really liked about um, your story and your memoir is that actually you're a Pompey lad. Uh, born and bred and so am I I'm not a lad oh. but I'm a Pompey girl <laughs> Pompey. <laughs> but I'm born and bred as well oh really yeah oh. so Pump I was girl. I know <laughs> um yeah I love that because uh, when I started to read your intro it was like on the south coast I was like oh imagine if he's from Portsmouth and yes <laughs> you were um and for me I don't know, like, I think we obviously had quite a different childhood. Like, I didn't do regular trips to the New Forest when I was a kid. Although I do remember being taken to Bewley once. I think that was as far as I got. Um, But, like, in a way, Portsmouth feels a little bit deprived of green space. Um, Obviously, it's got the coast and the seaside and things like that. But it feels like there's not much green space. Do you agree? I think that's kind of true. I, I lived in the in the north of the city, sort of Cosham End, so I was able to walk out over the hill and into the countryside. Oh yeah! Uh, but it was very a sort of controlled countryside, little lanes through fenced-off farms and so on. Um, so it was quite it was quite a, a different environment from the forest, which I think is why I love the forest so much because. Uh, it was um, it was an opportunity to see and do things that I couldn't at home. Yeah, you're right. I know. Um, is it like Ports Downhill, like that area? There's like lots yeah. of sort of rolling countryside and things like that. To be honest, like I don't even think I've gone for a walk up there before. It's terrible now thinking about it. Um, I grew up in the 80s and I think my mum was re- really busy and culturally we weren't we didn't really spend much time sort of outdoors but we used to go for drives and think things like that <laughs> so right. I went for a drive to Ports Downhill but that's about it. Well I was the sort of kid who was out after breakfast and came back when it got dark so um, uh, that's just a different way of being brought up and it's yeah. uh, not many children experience that now I'm afraid. Um, so even as a child, from quite a young age, I was very much roaming about on my own, watching mm. the birds and flowers and so on. So that, that was my nice. childhood passion. Yeah. And it, as now, it was uh, very often uh, m- uh, me on my own doing that. I was a bit of a loner as a kid. In your book, you mentioned that you're not really interested in walking as an activity, exercise or challenge, but primarily a means of getting to a place where you want to be. Um, do you do you own a car or vehicle or is it literally this is your mode of transport? I don't own a car. And in fact, I made a conscious choice as a teenager that I uh, wouldn't learn to drive for environmental yeah. reasons. 
although I did have a motorbike for a few years, so I sort of compromised. <laughs> um, but no, I don't own a car, and I um, I use public transport and walk on foot. And uh, the goal for me is to get out into nature and uh, any gains in terms of exercise. For me, that's a byproduct. Uh, I mean, uh, I recognize that uh, for other people, exercise uh, in it of itself may be a high priority. Uh, and that um, uh, mountain walking uh, is a better way to exercise than or a more enjoyable way to exercise than uh, on a treadmill uh, and um, riding a bike uh, through the um, uh, through the bike lanes that run through the new forest is a much more appealing prospect uh, than uh, spin classes <laughs> um, <laughs> but for me the goal is to get out in nature and if I have to walk a, a long way to do that uh, then I will. Um, I mean, uh, the New Forest is a bit of ex an exception for me in my writing, in that it's very accessible. I've mostly written about um, uh, much wilder places, such as the, the Scottish Highlands and so on, um, where I would happily uh, walk for days to get right out in the wilds, pitch a tent, and then use that as my as my base until I exhausted my food supplies. Wow. So do you do you plan in advance or do you just see where like the track takes you? Um, I'm really not much of a planner. I, I do tend to have a map with me, but that's mainly for in case I get lost. I will look at a map and think, oh, that area looks really nice on the map. I think I'll explore that area. And then uh, I will start walking into that area and then I'll see a hill and thought, oh, think, I wonder what the view is like from the top of that hill or... Uh, there's a little valley there that looks interesting I'll go up there it was slightly different in the new forest because I, I because there's no uh, wild camping there and I was mostly doing my visits as day trips so I had this in the back of my mind that I had to be back at a train station uh, for uh, the last train uh, so I had to have a little bit more of a sense of where I was in my journey. I did still manage to get quite dramatically lost though, even in the new forest um, and have to uh, have effectively dig my way out of getting lost. Um, Is this where you got stuck in a bog? <laughs> I did get stuck in a bog and that was to do with rushing to try and get back for the last train and thinking, oh, I'll take a shortcut across the heath and ending up waist deep in, in a bog and having to... Um, I did finally make the train and spent the train journey uh, dripping the whole way back with people sort of shuffling away from me. <laughs> but that's life. It's, uh, it's all part of the fun, of uh, part of the adventure, really. Yeah, no, that one definitely sounded like an adventure. So given that you don't plan and um, you mentioned before how you just sort of like look at a map and, and, and kind of go where some interesting landmark is I feel really grateful that you made um some walks on the Go Jaunty app um which are photo led and you can find now um in and around the new forest so um thank you so much for doing that hopefully other people will be able to sort of tread in your footsteps by uh, following your routes yeah I, I came up with some fairly simple routes 
um, of places that I had come across in my in my travels. Obviously, I had to do it was a very different experience for me because I did have to do a certain amount of planning yeah. uh, in terms of route and length. Uh, and I'm not the best photographer in the world. I only have your pictures a, are gorgeous. Uh, it was only with my with my f- uh, phone camera. I don't have any other camera. So, wow. uh, uh, but it was a f- it was a good exercise to do for me because it made me think about walks in a slightly different way, in a more structured way, um, which I uh, which I don't. I tend to be a little bit chaotic in my approach, uh, and just go, uh, just wander off. Um, so uh, yeah, it was uh, it was good experience for me to try and do that. Thank you so much. Yeah, the, I love the butterfly one. What's the best time of year to go and see the butterflies? Um, the the key month for the woodland butterflies is probably July. That's probably the peak month for the little blue butterflies on the heath. I think they start um, uh, late June. So probably the the about the last week of June and the first week of July would be the key month to look for those little blue tornadoes out on the heath. Oh, thank you. That sounds amazing and perfect timing for when this episode comes out. Absolutely. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, your relationship with nature. And in the book, you talk a lot about how like, the whole planet is a nature reserve that we should be trying to protect. And I know you get sort of frustrated or you are frustrated with, I guess, how things have turned out in the last um, few years with climate breakdown and biodiversity loss and all the other challenges that come with that. You talk about like what we're leaving for the next generation or the one after that. How do you deal with your eco anxiety? Well, I take what measures I can, uh, on a personal level so as I said I chose as a teenager not to drive I've been vegan for over 30 years um, and I lead try and lead a relatively simple life so I've been I've tried to keep my footprint as low as possible but at the same time I recognize that it's this we're sort of being conned into thinking it's to do with our own consumer choices Whereas really uh, the, uh, the environmental change which is taking place is hugely the responsibility of a, a tiny number of huge corporations and very wealthy individuals uh, who have chosen a system which benefits them uh, at the expense of the world. And so you get things like um, uh, you buy cons- consumer goods. I mean, f- 50 years ago, you'd buy a, a um, I don't know, a cooker for your house and it would last Mm. your lifetime, whereas now it's inbuilt that they're disposable. They last a few years and then you have to replace them. So we've sort of been dropped into a system which is environmentally damaging. And so we have to um, not just change our own personal lifestyles, but we have to make our voices heard and ask Uh, or demand that the people who can actually make a difference uh, start listening to these uh, to these concerns Um, uh, because at at an individual level there's not a lot we can do Mm. personally I feel quite blessed that uh, because I'm a fairly well established nature writer now I have a sort of megaphone uh, so I can voice my my concerns uh, to a lot of people and hopefully have sort of have some sort of influence 
uh, on other people's thinking. Um, an example of that, uh, I've just got back from Scotland to visit a potential rewilding project, mm -hmm. um, uh, which uh, the aim is to try and regenerate the coastal oak woods, which were kind of temperate rainforest. And that rewilding project has been inspired by my last book, which was called The Last Wilderness. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that, you know, they're directly saying that uh, it was what I'd said in that book, which had inspired them uh, to try and develop uh, this project. So it feels like I'm, I'm very lucky in that I feel that I can make a, a difference uh, beyond just my own personal lifestyle choices uh, by in, uh, being an influence on other people. I also think we have to we have to shout. I think it's important to be involved in uh, in campaigns, mm -hmm. um, not just the sort of uh, national uh, uh, or international campaigns like Extinction Rebellion, but I think also to defend our corner as well. If if that you have a local nature reserve that's threatened with redevelopment, uh, fight for it, fight for it, because it's it's um, it's death by a thousand cuts. The, um, mm -hmm. the the destruction of biodiversity. Uh, so um, the fact that it's a small local need uh, is not uh, doesn't mean that it can be ignored or overlooked. Uh, so yeah, fight your corner. What do you um, think people can do to try and reset their relationship with the natural world? I, I think um, we actually need to um, turn our thinking upside down uh, when it comes to, um, uh, to our relationship with nature. Um, we, we come from a culture which sees nature as a resource uh, mm -hmm. historically, uh, what value we can get from the land and so on. Yeah. Um, and even sometimes in a positive way, we talk about um, saving nature because of what it offers us in terms of mental health benefits or physical health benefits. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas actually, I think we need to turn that upside down. I think we need to think, actually, we, we live in a shared space with millions of other species that have just as much right to be here as us. We don't need to justify preserving nature. We need to justify why we could possibly think it's okay to destroy it. So it's a matter of, of reversing your thinking on it. So the default, uh, the default in your thinking should always be uh, preservation of other life uh, and the natural world and uh, the wilder parts of, that remain of the world. Uh, and we need a very, very good reason indeed uh, to uh, to intervene in that in a negative way. I think it is very important that people uh, spend time in nature and learn to love nature uh, because you know we fight for what we care about. Mm. Um, and um, uh, I think the more time you spend in nature, the more you recognize how valuable it is, not just to you, but of itself as well, and mm. how, how worthwhile it is to, to preserve that. And that uh, society, the world is not just our uh, cultural relationships, our social relationships, uh, but it's, it's very much a relationship with many millions of different species uh, and we're all interdependent we're all interreliant, uh, and we need to recognize that much more than we do
Hi, Shane. How are you? Hi, Hannah. I'm doing well. How about you? Yeah, I'm pretty sick of this May weather, not going to yeah, lie. <laughs> I'm with it. Supposed to get better next week, though, so fingers crossed. Yeah, that's exciting. Um, so what uh, walk tip or app tip have you got for us today? I'm going to start with the walk tip. I think I'm going to recommend the New Forest Giants walk. It actually was created by today's guest, Neil. Um, but even if it wasn't, I would recommend it. It's an incredible looking walk starts in um, the village of Brockenhurst in the New Forest, and it explores some of the incredible ancient trees um, that there are in the New Forest, including one I saw that's over a thousand years old, which is which is wild. And it's been a few years since I've been into the New Forest, and it, and it is magical there, so I can't wait to go back and try this route. It is so nice, yeah. Thank you for sharing that one. Yeah, definitely. In terms of an app tip, I thought I would mention um, search by walk name. Not everyone knows this is there, but if you tap the search box at the top of the app um, and start typing, it'll come up with the option to either search by location or search by walk name. And this has been on iOS for a little while, but just recently launched on Android. And it makes it a lot easier if you are told about a walk, such as the New Forest Giants walk, uh, and you want to find it quickly and easily in the app just um, pop into that search box and search by walk name and it should come right up. Amazing. Yeah, that's such a hot tip and it has been a long time coming on Android. I'm so pleased we've got it now. Yes, absolutely. So do you have any tips for budding nature writers? Yes, I think I, if you're writing about nature, a lot of the, the commentary about your writing tends to be about uh, the knowledge that you're sharing and your, your powers of description. But that's actually the easiest bit to write about. Um, narrative nature writing is a form of memoir, really, and it's about the relationship between you as the observer and, and uh, what you're observing. So it's not enough just to go out and write about what you see. Uh, you have to think about what qualities you have personally that you bring to that story what you uh, what's unique about the story that you can tell you have to uh, generate a narrative arc so you have a, a you need to be in a different place by the end of the book yeah uh, from where you are at the beginning and you need to carry your reader along on a journey with you so hopefully both you and the reader uh, will have had a change in their perspective by the time the book comes to an end. Um, so, yeah, that's, I think that's sort of what I have to say as, a, yeah. as my tips. That sounds really helpful and um, really useful for anyone who's looking to kind of get into nature writing. Um, I uh, went to on a course with Lucy Jones and oh, yes. it was about um, nature writing and we were doing sort of like little exercises around like talking about a natural object, but using like all of our senses. And uh, I kind of secretly decided that I wanted to try and write a few sort of like little nature poems. So I might like build that into. Oh, you should do work. it. You should do it. I find it quite relaxing. It's just like finding the time as well and being in the right headspace. But uh, I think that might be my third or fourth career if I'm lucky. <laughs> <laughs> this is not my first career, I assure you. I started <laughs> no. quite late in nature writing. Although, if you'd asked me as a 12-year-old who loved nature and loved books what I wanted to do with my life, 
uh, I would have said I'd love to be a nature writer. Uh, I think my 12-year-old my self would be very proud of me now. It would probably wonder what took me so long. Yeah, it's almost like you had to get everything out of your system first or something. <laughs> you know, I, I've always written. I, right, right from childhood, I've always written, but I never had the confidence to really even show it to other people. And then wow. um, later in life, having done other careers, I began to feel that actually... I might be there now and I might uh, feel that I had something to say that, that other people might want to hear. Mm. And I've been very lucky. And my first book came out 10 years ago and um, I've, I've been writing full time ever since. I haven't uh, really had to do any other work since, uh, since I, I began a career as a nature writer. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel, feel very lucky that I could do exactly what I want to in life and get by yeah that's amazing and I remember um you sort of saying that you discovered your childhood diaries in your dad's beachfront home and I guess like reading those back now you can definitely and like hearing about those stories you can definitely imagine your 12 year old self being super proud yeah yeah and and because um going, going to the new forest for this book was a slightly different experience for me because in previous books I've been largely breaking new ground whereas in this book it was more to do with going back to my roots where I started from and so the book led me to reflect quite a lot on my childhood uh, and and who I was then and where I'd come from um, where my family had come from and so on uh, so it was a different exercise for me and it was a very um, uh, very very positive um, uh, experience to look back in that way. So finally, do you have any sort of fail-safe walking tips that you'd like to share? Um, I think if you read the book, you'll see uh, probably take boots with you. <laughs> <laughs> probably take wellies with you because the times that I didn't yeah. have the boots, I got very wet feet indeed. I do tend to always take rain gear because I don't want to be uh, put off uh, by a change in the weather. Uh, I don't want an excuse to stop being out in nature. I also take snacks and water with me usually for the same reasons. Mm. Uh, but in, in terms of uh, tips, in terms of the way you walk, I tend to walk quite slowly and with frequent stops to try and immerse myself more in nature rather than racing through it uh, as a kind of challenge. I think that relates to what I was saying about exercise. I think if your focus is on yeah. the exercise, uh, you miss so much. Also on a personal level, as I've said, I tend to prefer walking on my own because I think it gives me that uh, that level of focused attention, um, which uh, if you're with other people, you tend to be constantly distracted. I realise that walking alone is not uh, desirable or or even possible for some people. Um, yeah, you, an alternative might be to go out with someone who was more knowledgeable than you, and so you can mm. benefit from their knowledge. Um, yeah. So someone who can identify the bird songs or something like that, and so you will come back from the walk uh, having uh, greater knowledge and greater contact with the natural world that will stand you in good stead for the future. 
Well, thanks so much for your time, Neil. It has been really great to chat with you and I urge everyone to get a copy of The Circling Sky, which is available on hardback now. Thank you very much, Hannah. It was lovely talking to you. It was lovely to chat to Neil today. I highly recommend grabbing a copy of The Circling Sky from your favourite local bookshop. Also, if you're ever in and around the New Forest, why not check out his walks in the Go Jaunt Me app? There's three to choose from. So thanks for listening and catch you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of Nature Bounce. Don't forget to rate it and subscribe to the whole series.